Become a Leslie's Pro member, and with almost a 1,000 locations conveniently located less than 3 miles from your service route, you can quickly get in and out and take care of your customers. Get Skimmer, America's number one pool service software platform. Listeners of the podcast can try Skimmer for free. Visit my website, swimmingpoollearning.com, and click on the Leslie's Pro and the Skimmer banners to learn more. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. Hi, and welcome to the Pool Guy Podcast Show. In this episode, I'm going to continue my series with Terry Arco of Hassa. We're going to discuss what exactly is a sanitizer, and specifically what's a primary sanitizer. We're going to touch on some of the benefits of using liquid chlorine as your primary sanitizer in your pool. Pool Service Pro, open a Leslie's Wholesale account today and receive wholesale pricing on products you use every day. Leslie's Pool Supply offers convenient locations that are open 7 days a week. Another great benefit of opening a Leslie's Wholesale account is Leslie's Referral Program. Get referred to a customer looking for weekly pool service. Save time and money and grow your pool service route and become a Leslie's Pro. So there's many options out there, Terry, for pool sanitizers. We're using this term sanitizer loosely here in the industry. I think it's it's picked on, it's picked up pretty well and it kind of just means chlorine basically um, yes. in different forms what exactly would you consider to be a sanitizer because i see a lot of advertising for like non-chlorine sanitizer or alternative sanitizers we had the big chlorine sanitizers what, how would you define a sanitizer first of all before we get started yeah, that's a that is a great question, and it's a it's a great subject uh, to get onto. And and just and I'm a CPO instructor. I've been a CPO instructor for 20 plus years, and uh, we actually cover this in in CPO. We talk about you know disinfection and sanitizers and those kinds of things. There's a whole chapter on that. Just from from the CPO standpoint, when we define a sanitizer, uh, we we're going to define a sanitizer something that is first of all. Anything you use should be EPA approved, should be an EPA approved sanitizer. And you should always check and see that there's an EPA registration number from that standpoint. And that's anything you're using, you know, that it has the EPA approval as a sanitizer. But uh, when we talk about chlorine and we talk about um, sanitizers like like chlorine, bromine, those kinds of things, when the EPA qualifies those, it's, it's going to use three things. There, there's three criteria for for what makes an EPA approved sanitizer. And the first one is that uh, it has to disinfect, okay? And when we talk about disinfect, what we're talking about is it has to have the ability to remove 99.9% bacteria, inactivate or kill 99.9% bacteria. And then the, the, the second thing is it has to oxidize, has to have the ability to oxidize. And so when we talk about oxidation, we're not talking about uh, killing or removal of, of some sort of living bacteria, but we're talking about all those other aspects, all those other contaminants, all the organics, these non-living things, things that come off of our bodies, you know, the, uh, the oils and, you know, skin follicles and those kinds of things. Uh, and then, you know, the outward contamination, dust and pollens and all the kinds of things that are blowing in there. There has to be a way to sort of, you know, break these things up and somewhat remove these things uh, from the water so that the disinfectant can do its job. And then the third thing, and the third very important thing that qualifies a sanitizer as a primary sanitizer with the EPA is it has to have the ability to leave a residual 
behind in the water. So that means if you dose a certain amount, you look at it, it says, you know, a gallon, you know, whatever a week, you know, for 10,000 gallons, you put that in. That means it's going to do its job. It's going to sanitize immediately. It's going to oxidize, but it's also going to leave a safety residual in that water. So, you know, three, four days down the line, somebody decides to go swimming, there's still a residual level PPM of chlorine in that water. And that's important. So you have to have those three aspects. Since you mentioned, you mentioned some things like uh, ozone, UV, mm-hmm. AOP, non-chlorine, those kinds yeah. of things, um, and, and some of those non-chlorine or device uh, type things. Well, it's important to look at that and it's important to realize, because I, I, I hear guys talking about this too. I hear guys talking about ozone, like, oh, I'll, I'll just go with ozone, you know, or something like that. Well, again, you need to understand that uh, those devices are not, by the EPA, they are not registered or considered as primary sanitizers. They are what we call secondary sanitizers or secondary disinfectants. And the reason that they're secondary, number one, for the devices such as ozone, UV, or AOP, is that they can't leave a residual in the water. So they're really good on contact. They're, they're good at uh, doing some good effective oxidation on contact, but they don't last out in the pool. You're not going to get any residual out there in the pool. So really important for, uh, to understand that. So that's why chlorine, liquid chlorine um, in particular, because of the fact any, any form of chlorine that you use is going to create that killing agent of hypochlorous acid which is really important. And I talk about this. I always talk about this because when I teach water chemistry classes, that's a question I ask. I I ask everybody, why are you putting chlorine in your pools? (laughs) Do they really know? Oh, well, it's just, I'm just doing it because that's how I was trained or whatever. But okay, do you know why? Do you know what the purpose is? And, And the purpose is, number one, to kill germs. You want to kill germs. And why? Well, because people are going to get in that pool and swim, your customers. You don't want your customers to get diseases or to get sick because if they do, you're going to lose customers, right? That's not a good thing. So so we, I guess, need to understand that you know the real specific of why we're putting that chlorine in the water in the first place, and that is to keep bacteria at bay, that is to keep algae at bay, to keep that water clean and clear and safe for the swimmers. And that's what chlorine will do. Now, as we, you know, we, we, we've talked in a prior uh, podcast, I guess, uh, if you want to say, um, about, uh, you know, the increase of CYA from trichlor and how that increase of CYA will reduce the killing ability of chlorine towards algae and bacteria both. So uh, from my aspect, obviously, liquid is a, is a very effective sanitizer, a very effective disinfectant, and something that has been probably one of the oldest and the most practically used forms of chlorine for for centuries, centuries. Um, and it's been used to kill bacteria. It's been used to prevent disease in water treatment. It, it basically, in the late 1800s in London, it, it basically brought the cases of cholera to almost zero uh, once they began to chlorinate water um, there. So it's been around a long time. It, it's a pure form. It's very effective at what it does. And, you know, that's that's your primary reason for putting a sanitizer in the water in the first place. Yeah, it's yeah. a great summary. I think that's going to clear up a lot of the misconceptions out there. Um, right now, you know, I, I take care of pools that were 50,000 gallons, 30,000 gallons, 10,000 gallons. And right now I'm being defeated by my son's 10-gallon fish tank. You, know? <laughs> you should see this thing. You can kind of see the fish in there, see the green algae in there. Um, and I, just, I feel like I should just shock it and get and just be done with it. But um, 
it's amazing that this big little 10 gallon tank I can't keep clear. But that's just well, I think it, the, the, the problem there is there's a lot more waste waste ratio to the amount of yeah. water that's coming from there the is. fish. First so. thing I Googled it says, you know, check the phosphate and nitrate levels. You know, sure. there's 10,000 sure. gallons of water. Are you kidding me? But yeah, it's the true, true thing. But let's talk about liquid chlorine. Let's talk, touch on some of the unique advantages of using liquid chlorine and why it's it was popular, you know, since I started and it's still very popular. Um, you mentioned the cyanuric acid from trichlor. What are some of the main advantages of using liquid chlorine in your pool as your primary sanitizer? Number one right now, I'm going to say, is availability. It's available. So that's number one. You can get it. It's still cost effective, you know, relative cost effective. I always say this. It's, it sounds kind of, uh, you know, like rhetorical, I guess, when I say it's liquid. It, 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 it begins its work immediately. It doesn't have to dissolve. It doesn't have to break down. It when when that liquid hits the water, it's and, and that's what I said. Why are we putting the chlorine in the pool in the first place? Because we want it to sanitize, and we want to sanitize as quickly as possible. We want to inactivate bacteria and stuff as quickly as possible. So it's in a liquid form. It hits the water. It's doing its job immediately. There's no breakdown. There's no dissolving. So if the water's colder, something like that, where you know you have tablets in or or you throw a granular in, the colder the water, it's going to take longer for those to dissolve and break down. But liquid's right there doing its work. Um, so that's another thing. The other thing is the purity of it from a byproduct standpoint, it's it's not contributing any cyanuric acid uh, level to the pool. Also, it's not contributing any calcium to the pool, um, which again, calcium can build up, calcium hardness. Uh, you've got carbon in the pool, and so you form calcium carbonate. Now you're going to have scale forming, particularly if you have a heated pool or a heater. You're going to create scale on the <clears throat> on that heat exchanger, and that becomes an extra expense as well. So uh, I think it's uh, you know again available. It's in the best form that you can put in. It's got the best cost per use, and it's not putting any detrimental uh, byproducts into the water. Yeah, so I get this question a lot still, and even though I talk about it on the podcast and my YouTube channel, and I get emailed probably weekly from a pool tech, even homeowners will email me. And they'll question the fact that high cyanuric acid is a real problem. A high level 150, 200, really bad for maintaining a pool? Yeah, and I think it's, uh, you know, basically, um, again, it, it's the research is out there and, you know, the articles are out there now. And certainly uh, like Model Aquatic Health Code and Pool Hot Tub Alliance, you know, all of those uh, associations are coming out now with basically adjusting the levels of cyanuric acid because of the research and so forth that has come out. There, there's the whole research that has come out uh, through um, actually through CPO, through the World Aquatic Health Conference and some of that on the ratios, the ratios of free chlorine that you need. And and this is even taught Pool Chemistry Training Institute. We teach this as well, that you need to have that 7.5% uh, ratio of, you know, chlorine to, to CYA. So you asked, you know, well, is the 100, the 200 or, you know, whatever, is that, is that a problem or whatever you're going to say? Well, if you take that, that 200 times the 7.5%, uh, you're talking 15 ppm of chlorine that you would need to maintain. And, and David, this is maintaining. This means that 15 ppm has to be there 24-7 in that pool to keep that pool free from algae and to effectively be killing bacteria. 
So um, the other thing that is pointed out that Pool Chemistry Training Institute points out about the cyanuric acid and having levels of cyanuric acid in there uh, is that when you have any level of cyanuric acid, 30 to 50, it goes up or whatever. Basically, what that means is the chlorine that you have in there, 97% of your chlorine is bound to cyanuric acid. And you've only got 3% active that's in there that's doing the killing. Now, that 97% is a reserve. It acts as a reserve. So basically, the 3% is kind of doing the killing job. And as that gets consumed, 3% more is being released. But that's just showing you that, you know, cyanuric acid and obviously the higher the levels go, you're really tying up the effectiveness of your chlorine when that happens. Yeah, and we should emphasize, too, that even with liquid chlorine, you do need some cyanuric acid in there to protect it from you do, being yes. burned off. What would yes. be the magic number of CYA in a pool with using liquid only? I'm going to go with the, uh, you know, what, what you know, the standards are talking about now, the 30 to 50 ppm. And I think certainly with the 30, uh, with the 30 ppm, that's absolutely fine. So you take the 30 times 7.5 you're looking at 2.25 ppm of chlorine, mm -hmm. or let's just say you could keep your chlorine at about three uh, ppm and you're fine uh, that way. I, I would say uh, Pool Chemistry Training Institute, again, of which I'm involved with a lot and I do a lot of teaching, um, you know, the, the, they, they have targets that they set up and the, and the target level for uh, cyanuric acid uh, from Pool Chemistry, Chemistry Training Institute is 50 ppm. Um, but I, uh, I say, you know, if 30, if you can keep it at 30, uh, you know, between 30 and 50, but obviously 30, uh, you can run a lower level of PPM of free chlorine and still keep that water good. And I think we should emphasize the point also that when you mean, um, keep the water safe with that level, the reason why you need to have a 15 parts per million in a 200 CYA pool is because the chlorine is not effective if it's lower than that. Yes, that's correct. Uh, you don't have enough. Uh, and there's lots of research on this. And again, you know, uh, anybody can go check. Uh, there, there's so much information through uh, Pool Hot Tub Alliance, PHTA, or or through the MAC, or through Pool Chemistry Training Institute. You you, you can find out. But you, basically, what it comes down to is you have to have you have to have uh, 0.5 ppm of hypochlorous acid. You have to be at that level to effectively kill algae. Basically, algae is algae is actually harder to kill than bacteria. So we can kind of make, you know, uh, maybe we, we, we can kind of figure if we're killing algae, we're ki we know we're killing bacteria. But we've got it. We have to produce enough hypochlorous acid at that ppm level, that 0.5 ppm, uh, to effectively kill algae. And if we're not hitting that level, we're not effectively killing algae. And if we're not effectively killing algae, that means we're not effectively killing bacteria. So we've got some other things that can turn up. And by the way, a lot of times when we get algae outbreaks in pools, and a lot of times you'll hear people will say, you know, oh, well, algae is not a bacteria, so eh, don't worry about it or whatever. But algae can actually harbor bacteria as well. So if anybody swims in that pool when there's algae present, you know, a lot of times I've heard guys in the past or, you know, people in the past have said, you know, oh, there's a little bit of algae in my pool. Well, that's OK. You can still swim because it's not a bacteria. But now what they're finding is that actually if you've got visible algae in a pool, that visible algae can harbor bacteria. Uh, and some of it is actually cyanobacteria, which is toxic to dogs. It's toxic to people. You know, it might not be a safe idea for somebody to swim with visible algae in the pool. Besides that, I think the number one reason why pool pros lose accounts is the customer sees algae in there and they get fed Absolutely. up quickly. Absolutely. 
So I hope you found this podcast helpful. You can definitely listen to the other podcasts in this series where we discuss other aspects of liquid chlorine compared to calhypo and dichlor in the next episode. We're also going to talk about um, how to transition from trichlor to liquid chlorine in the next episode. In the previous episode to this one, we talked about Hassa's liquid chlorinator feeder to find our liquid chlorine feeder. To find that podcast, you can go to my website, swimmingpoollearning.com, and on the banner, click on the podcast icon. That will take you to all the podcasts that I've recorded, and you can definitely stay there and listen to other podcasts in this series or other podcasts that I've recorded on other subjects. And if you're in the industry and you want to enhance your business, definitely check out my coaching program at poolguycoaching.com. A lot of great benefits for joining there, including a discount on your general liability insurance. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Have a great rest of your week, and God bless. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. Yeah! Real quick, if you're not using pool service software, try Skimmer free for 30 days at getskimmer backslash poolguy. Again, that's getskimmer backslash poolguy. Skimmer, everything you need to run your pool service business all in one app.